Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is, I'm going to mess her name up. <laughs> I'm just warning you right now, but Donato, we'll start with that part. I got that part right. Oh, well, I screwed it up anyway. She's the president at Termageddon, which is a company helping businesses stay up to date with their changing privacy laws. So Donato, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. So tell everybody why I can't pronounce your name. Well, I'm Lithuanian and all of our last names are just like every single letter in the alphabet. Um, but I'm actually getting married soon. So very soon it's going to change. And I think that's going to be the best part of being married is the last name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize. I tried. I gave it a good try, but it just my tongue just kept tripping. And so at any rate. But uh, thank you for uh, for being so gracious and, and sharing not only how to pronounce it, but the correct pronunciation. <laughs> so speaking of names, Termageddon is the name of your service. So where'd that name come from? Um, so we're a generator of privacy policies, terms of service, um, disclaimers, and EULAs. And so we tried to get into, you know, the terms part of it. And unfortunately, Terminator.com was taken. Um, so we ended up with Permageddon, which is terms plus Armageddon. Um, so I know privacy in terms can be can seem like a pretty boring conversation. Um, so we try to have some fun with it or as much fun as, as we can. And I think the name reflects that pretty well. So we'll have plenty of time to uh, scare people, you know, about why they need these things. But, I, you know, a lot of websites ship with, you know, terms of service at the bottom, privacy links. And so a lot of people are like, yeah, OK, I've seen those things, you know, but you, you click on them and there's like this, you know, 27 page, you know, book of, of legalese, basically. So, you know, give us a little sense just first off of how and why they're important from a practical standpoint, you know, because again, I mean, I click accept, you know, every time somebody puts one of those things in front of me. So I'm not sure how much they're doing for me as a consumer, but just from a, as a website owner, you know, do we need to be paying attention to those more so than just sort of the templated stuff that ships with the, the theme? Yeah. So I think, you know, roughly five or 10 years ago, nobody really read these or cared about these um, except for a couple lawyers and a couple guys with yeah. tinfoil hats on. Uh, <laughs> and if the listeners probably remember the Cambridge Analytica scandal um, where Facebook mm -hmm. improperly shared a bunch of data and, you know, that data was used to manipulate certain things. Um, and, Basically, what the Cambridge Analytica scandal did is it brought privacy to the forefront of consumers' minds. And consumers essentially read about this and said, you know what, this doesn't sound right. I This is not right. I don't want this to happen. So they started pressuring their legislators to create and pass privacy laws. Um, so right now we have a few privacy laws in the United States, um, mm -hmm. so certain states such as California, Nevada, um, and Delaware have passed their own privacy laws. Um, and those privacy laws require websites to disclose certain things. Um, so, for example, what information you collect, what do you do with that information, and who you share it with. Um, so I think the first aspect that's really important to think about is compliance with current privacy laws. And the privacy laws in the United States, um, you know, the fines don't seem that big at first. So it's $2,500 per violation. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that per violation is actually per website visitor. 
Um, so let's say you have a hundred website visitors from California per month. Um, you know, that fine would be 2,500 times a hundred. Um, so that can really add up to a really large fine. Okay. So this feels a little like insurance in some ways. I mean that because the, the, the practical matter is I haven't even really seen any very many high profile cases. I remember when, when GDPR was coming down and I had so many people like, I can't sleep at night because what's this going to do? You know? And, and then there was sort of, it was like Y2K, right? I mean, it was kind of this collective sigh of, oh, well, I guess, it, you know, everybody jumped through a bunch of hoops, but nothing really happened. I mean, so from a practical matter is, is anybody enforcing it? I mean, it, it, or does it take like a, a, a very irate and persistent, you know, consumer to, to actually make something happen? So here's the interesting part is a lot of people think, yes, GDPR happened and then nobody really enforced it. Maybe they enforced it on Facebook and Google and that was it. Right, right. For anybody that thinks that, I really encourage you to look up GDPR enforcement tracker. Um, and there have actually been hundreds of enforcement cases. The issue with that is, is that with the world the way that it currently is, privacy fines don't necessarily make it into the news as much because there's a lot more exciting things going on. But the fact is that hundreds of companies have already been fined, and we've seen very small companies be fined too. So there's a small marketing company that was fined a couple hundred thousand euros for changing the email of their customer in their CRM without that customer's permission. Hmm. Um, so... You know, and we've seen enforcement cases for, um, you know, people violating the privacy rights of one person as well. So we've seen a lot of enforcement so far. But I think that maybe if we look a little bit past enforcement, too, at the fact that consumers now care. Um, yeah. So, you know, a large percentage of Americans will actually leave a website or a platform if they feel like their privacy rights are not being uh, respected. And I think that's probably the largest issue for small businesses today is not necessarily the fines, which can be large and can be devastating, right. especially to smaller businesses. But what's a lot worse is losing customers and losing customers to your competitors just because they had a privacy policy and you did it. Yeah, I mean, have we gotten to the point where this is sort of a, a legitimacy factor? I mean, for for a company, so to speak, almost like you know HTTPS, you know, protocol uh, for you know secure um, exchange over website has really become kind of like you're not a legitimate business now if you don't have that. Um, exactly. are, are we that way with with these kind of policies? Yeah, I think a lot of consumers feel that way where. You know, let's say they're submitting their information to make a purchase and you don't have a privacy policy. And they're like, wait, where is that information going? Are you selling that information? Like, why aren't you telling me what you're doing with it? You know, and if you don't tell them what you do with it, they automatically assume the worst. Um, and I think that can be really detrimental to businesses, especially nowadays. So we've been talking and I think naturally a lot of people think about, oh, I'm going to get sued by that consumer or something. But these policies also kind of flip around and provide some protection for the website owner too, don't they? Or, I mean, even, even down to protecting some of their intellectual property. I mean, are there some, uh, are there some values in, in pursuing this for that reason? Absolutely. Um, so there are definitely multiple things that these policies do to protect a particular business. So the example that you used copyright issues. Um, so you can actually provide your contact information on your terms of service. And if somebody believes that you're infringing on their copyrights, like using their logo without their permission, 
they can contact you and ask you to take it down instead of, you know, you getting a lawsuit right away. Um, You know, I think also in terms of, for example, linking to third party websites, almost every website now links to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn pages. And for consumers who go from your website to, let's say, Facebook and get hacked or, or whatever, they could actually come back to you. Um, and say, you took me to this website. I didn't know. I thought that you were responsible for this website. And the terms of service clearly says, you know, any third party links, if you go to that third party website, we're not responsible for it. So it can help protect you that way. Um, you know, it can also help protect you by spelling out the warranties on any products or services that you sell spelling out your refunds policy, spelling out your cancellations policy. So these documents don't just kind of float out into the ether. They answer commonly asked questions that consumers have. And now let's hear a little bit about one of our sponsors, SimRush. This is an SEO tool that we use every single day. I love that it's more like a suite of tools because we can find competitive analysis, We can find everything about how to get and acquire more backlinks. There's this keyword magic tool that helps in our keyword research, all kinds of link building, rank tracking, everything you really need, including the ability to fix technical issues. And I love the reports that it produces because we use those with most of our clients. Check it out. It's SimRush, S-E-M-Rush.com. All right, now back to the interview. So it's very common these days you go to a website, and this I think came about from GDPR, and you get the little you know notice that says we collect cookies. Are you okay with that? Um, how how important is that element? You know, for again, you talked about a marketing company or a plumbing company or just you know a normal everyday business that's just out there trying to take care of customers. How important is it uh, for for those types of notices? Well, it's a really important part if you need to comply with GDPR. Um, So the way that we see most lawsuits come about is somebody's privacy rights are violated. So, for example, you don't have a privacy policy. You don't have a cookie consent. um, You know, somebody asks you to delete their data and you don't do it. Um, So having a cookie consent notice, if you need to comply with GDPR, is important to not get fined. Um, A really interesting thing that I notice with cookie consent forms is most of them are actually not correct. (laughs) Um, So, for example, if you go onto a website and you see the cookie consent pop up and all it says is, yes, I consent, um, or it still collects non-essential cookies even though you don't consent, that's not correct. Um, So when you go onto a website, all non-essential cookies should be disabled. And then the user should have a real choice whether or not they want to consent. Um, And they have to demonstrate that consent. So just because they're using your website, that doesn't mean that they're consenting. They need to actually affirmatively click a button. And then at that point, you can enable non-essential cookies. So anybody that has cookie consent forms where the only option is I consent or we'll just assume that you're happy with the use of cookies on our website. Um, those are incorrect um, and those need to change. And unfortunately, that's a really big problem with our industry is that a lot of people are selling these cookie consent mm-hmm. notices without it being actually compliant. I would suspect another issue, too, is because this is a you know evolving thing. I mean, uh, California's 
going ahead. Canada's gotten very aggressive. Um, so if you're doing stuff all over the world, these policies change all the time. And I suspect if that website privacy policy that you bought in 1995 is probably no good anymore, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so part of my job is keeping track of privacy laws. Um, so in the last year, I've changed privacy policies about six times. Um, so let's say you bought your privacy policy in uh, 2017. It's already out of date. Yeah. Um, and the issue with that is, so this is the biggest issue that we see in privacy today. So right now there are about 23 proposed privacy bills in the United States. So each state legislators basically said it would be really great if we had a federal law, but that's not happening. And we're not going to wait on the feds to get their stuff together. We're going to pass these laws state by state. And essentially what that means is a patchwork of state laws. Um, so state privacy laws don't just apply to a business that's located in the state. They can apply to you if you sell stuff to people in that state, even if you just collect their personal information. And with the way the Internet works, anybody from anywhere could submit their information on your contact form. So you need to comply with multiple state privacy laws. And as more state privacy bills are passed, which is what's happening, we could see a small business having to comply with 10, 15, 20, 40 privacy laws at any given time. Um, so keeping track of these and updating the privacy policy when new laws change is a huge issue for small businesses because, you know, you essentially you may need to just have a privacy lawyer on a retainer if you're not willing to use technology. And we all know how much that would cost. Yeah, it's kind of like sales tax tables almost, you know, it's like down to the municipal level <laughs> that you've got right. to figure it all out. But uh, all right. So here's the here's the softball question. You ready to tee it up? Sure, I'm ready. How does Termageddon help us solve this problem? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so we're a policy generator. So we generate privacy policies, terms, other policies that websites need. Um, and we also keep your policies up to date when the laws change. So when you first create your policy, we'll figure out what privacy laws apply to you. And based on what laws apply to you, you'll get the correct disclosures on your privacy policy. And after you create your privacy policy, we keep track of these laws for you. So let's say California passes yet another privacy law, um, which is actually happening right now. Uh, they're considering it. Um, so once that law is passed, but obviously before it goes into effect, we update your policy for you. So if you need new disclosures, we add them. If you need new language, we add that. So to make sure that you are always up to date and never out of compliance. And it happens kind of magically, right? I mean, the once you install the code, I mean, any changes are, are really just pushed through automatically, aren't they? Yes, unless yeah. a privacy law asks for a disclosure that we wouldn't know the answer to. So, for example, uh, Nevada passed a new privacy law last year that now says privacy policies need to disclose whether or not you sell personal information. So, obviously, we wouldn't know the answer to that. So, we just send you an email asking you, do you sell this information or not? You answer yes or no, and yeah. then we push the update, and it shows up right on your website. So. I know that the real answer to this question is everybody who has a website, but are there certain industries that seem to be um, more at risk? You know, not that we've seen the most enforcement that we see is from people who do marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, so anybody who runs ads, um, you know, that gets people in trouble a lot. 
But in reality, it's any website that collects personal information. So if you have a contact form, if you have a newsletter sign-up form, if you have a portal, um, if you're using analytics or other tracking right. services, um, that's when you need to have a privacy policy. So any website, let's say your website doesn't have tracking, doesn't have any forms where anybody could submit uh, their information, you know, you just give them your email or something like that. At that point, you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about this. Um, but it's very, very rare that a website doesn't have any forms or any tracking. Yeah, there's some tracking that maybe is coming from the host even that you don't even right. know about. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there a sort of a special place in privacy liability <laughs> reserved for companies that sell data? So, I mean, it seems to me like, you know, if you sold lists or if you're like Facebook where you're maybe not selling it individuals data, but you're selling sort of collective data, um, how, you know, how does, how do they navigate that? So each privacy law will actually specify. So if you sell personal data, here are the rules for you. So for example, California's new privacy law if you, which went into effect earlier this year, if you sell data, you have to provide people with a way to opt out of those sales. If you sell data, your privacy policy needs to have five or 10 more disclosures than somebody who doesn't. So usually it all starts off with having the right disclosures in your privacy policy, because all privacy laws say that a consumer has the right to know. Um, so you have the right to know what's happening with your data online. So that's where it all starts is with those disclosures. Um, and then usually there's additional things that you need to do if you're selling data. So in some ways, <clears throat> would looking at this as insurance be a little bit of a of of a way to to because uh, you you and I talked off there. I mean, I, it, it, your service is very inexpensive. So to if, if you got covered and you felt like that, you know, you took away that liability, then that's that's a pretty good couple hundred bucks a year, isn't it? Yeah. So that's how most businesses see it is something similar to insurance against getting sued in the first place. Yeah. Um, or if you get sued, you can use it as an argument to defend yourself. Yeah. Um, so most customers will sue based on, you know, you lack the right privacy disclosures or you didn't um, respect my rights. Um, so those disclosures are a great way to defend yourself. And I suspect treating your customers or users or visitors or whatever you call them with respect, period, is probably a good way to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Because I'm I'm guessing the companies that they're the most abusive of these are the ones that actually have the most issues with it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think a lot of small businesses view it as, oh, well, I'm a small business. Why should I care about this? But in reality, like if I go to a small business store, I don't want them to steal my credit card information and it's not okay for them to do it just because they're a small business. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I think all of us as consumers can agree that we want privacy as a right. I want privacy as a right. I've never met another person who said that I don't want my information to keep private. And I think that we need to remember that when it comes to treating our customers too. Yeah. Well, and I suspect small business owners, quite frankly, have a much, much more at risk in a lot of ways, uh, right. you know, if, you know, 
companies with shareholders, you know, probably can figure figure their way around this or have a team of lawyers that can, right. you know, make it go away where most small businesses don't. So are, is there anything coming that we need to know about in the next six months, year that, that you think uh, is going to be another GDPR in terms of headlines? I think in terms of, I don't think we'll get another GDPR in terms of there's going to be one law that applies to everybody and here's one stringent set of rules. I think we're going to get, in the next year, I would say we're probably going to get 10 or 20 new bills. Hmm. And I think all of those are going to combine together um, to create a really difficult patchwork because while some of these bills are carbon copies of each other, when a certain state's legislator has gotten a little bit lazy, yeah. uh, a lot of these are different. So each one has different disclosures. So for example, California will ask you to state how your website responds to do not track signals. Nevada will ask you to say whether or not you sell information. You know, so they each have very, very specific things and they're not intuitive either. Um, so a lot of people will say, well, why don't I just disclose what information I collect, what I do with it and who I share it with? And that's great. That's usually the meat and potatoes of those policies. But there's a lot of non-intuitive disclosures that these laws include, um, which is why it's really not a great idea to write your own privacy policy unless you want to spend the next three years studying these laws and figuring out exactly what they need to disclose. And then they'll change anyway. So what the Yeah, heck? and then next month they'll be different. Yeah, absolutely. Or they'll release regulations that will completely change it. It's, yeah. So Donata, tell, why don't you tell uh, uh, listeners where they can find out more about Termageddon? Sure. Um, so our website is termageddon.com and that's T-E-R-M-A-G-E-D-D-O-N.com. And you can find us um, on all social media under at Termageddon too. Awesome. Well, Donata, thanks for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and hopefully we'll run into you uh, soon one of these days when we get back out on the road. Thank you for having me.